Welcome to Talk Design Show, where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey, your host, and having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening and please enjoy. talk design today is Nathan Woodrow. Now Nathan owns Ride Clothing and this is part of a series of young entrepreneurs. Nathan's 20, he started his business a few years ago and pretty ambitious, audacious and has quite a following. It's fantastic to see the things that would daunt adults and um, certainly seem out of the reach for most kids to see these young entrepreneurs really kicking some goals. And, you know, there's so much to be learned, no matter what age you are, from the people who are fearless when they step into things. So, Nathan, thank you for being on Talk Design. Awesome to have you here, buddy. No worries. Thanks for having me on. No worries, man. Let's kick off with a couple of questions. The first one's going to be, tell us a bit about the story of how you started from uh, zero to, you know, started to, to, to walk, crawl, well, crawl, walk, and then run. <laughs> Tell us that when it comes to this clothing. Yeah, no, for sure. So when I was in uh, year 10 at high school, um, I all I wanted to do up until that point was play sport. I absolutely loved playing all different types of sport. At the time, I loved wakeboarding and skating and surfing. And at that time, I just got injured and I was told I couldn't play sport for the next 18 months. Whoa. And which turned into two years. Um, and obviously I was pretty shattered <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't even know what to do with my spare time anymore. That's where I made all my friends. Um, and then, yeah, I guess I came across a couple clothing brands on Instagram. I had a mate um, that lived in the city that started his own and was doing his own thing. And I was, I had all this spare time. I just studied like a bit of a business class at school when I was 15 and I was like, this could be, you know, something just to pour my energy and time into, just like I wanted to find a business or something that I could just pour my spare time into and have some fun. Rather um, than studying, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even, yeah, I was like, oh, no, I just wanted to do something sort of different, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> and um, Yeah, and then, yeah, came across these clothing brands. I was like, this is something I reckon I could get into. Like it seemed, it just really intrigued me how people could start something of their own and and share it to their own audience online it was just getting me super excited um i'd never really seen myself as an artist or anything before but that just got me super keen and then um yeah i guess i just went all in with it spent all my money that i made from working my part-time job at maccas (laughs) and ordered 30 shirts there must be 
there must be a bunch of guys that or and girls but a bunch of people that have gone you know Maccas has actually been their kickstarter it's it's oh, it's funded exactly. the first part you know yeah exactly um, right <laughs> so, so what made you so you went all in and, and ordered some shirts so yeah. how did just rewind a little bit yeah how did you know where to get the shirts how yeah. did you know how to get them printed yeah. Just take me back to the real yeah. basics. <laughs> Always, yeah, it's easy to skip over those parts. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I found like a few like just blank clothing supplies online. Um, yeah. There was one in particular that a lot of smaller clothing brands were using and was quite popular. So I was like, oh, that looks like it's probably a bit of a goer, like get some good quality blanks in. I thought that was sure. probably the most important things. And then um, the actual hand printing side of things I had absolutely no idea how to hand print a lot of people used to think oh Nathan learned that at high school that's how he knows how to do it but there's literally <laughs> I think I maybe saw a video on YouTube of someone screen printing a shirt and I was like oh well I guess that's how you've got to do it I just I found like my first little screen print on eBay spend a few hundred bucks and then um yeah my what, first so, ever so you you bought you bought a frame and and that was how you started doing it. So yeah, exactly right. So like for people who don't have any idea what we're talking about, there it's like <laughs> a paper frame and it's got what they call a silk um, stretched over ultra tight. But then yep. you have to either somehow you have to get your design onto there. Tell us about getting your design onto it. Oh yeah, I always forget about that. That was actually a really big uh, bit of a headache for me. Part. At the time, because um, at the time I actually didn't think there was anywhere locally for me to do it, so I was buying the silk screens from eBay. They would yep. rock up at my house, and then I'd go, "All right, now I have to get my design on them. How do I do that? I haven't learned this part of it yet." So then I um, found this small little warehouse in Adelaide, which is three hours away in the city for me, and yep. then yep. I would then I'd repackage the screen and I'd send it to them and then they'd put the design on for on it for me and then they'd send it back and then oh, I'll scream it. So it was there was just too many things going on there. But now I do it all myself. But yeah, back sure. then that when yeah. when you did that you were just doing single colour work. Yep, exactly. Because you know, like you see, you see people who do sort of like six or eight colours, and you mm. again, my background has been clothing long before I was started designing houses, and you know, you have mm. a carousel with like you know eight eight yeah. heads on it to print it, it's and crazy. yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> it's it's a task. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So so rewind one more bit. How did the yeah. artwork come about? Because you kind of rushed over that too. <laughs> yeah so um what did i do i just started sketching before i even poured all my money into it i started just sketching all these little designs out in my bedroom just on like a a4 piece of paper with a pen or a pencil and i was just like oh yeah this could be cool like something a bit different just hand drawing yeah. and then i wasn't all that good of a drawer i would just come up with all these ideas and then through social media then i found these artists that i could work with to make my drawings look a bit more professional that would people would probably like more and then um that's how that first started so i just yeah got all these designs i picked out the ones that i wanted to put on the first lot of t-shirts and just sent them away to this designer and then um yeah then they would send them back and i'd be happy with them and then i'll just go through that whole process of putting on a screen and then a t-shirt and then eventually online so people could buy them that's awesome man <laughs> so you've you bought 30 shirts 
So let's jump yeah. back to that. You bought 30 shirts and yeah. um, with the 30 shirts, uh, they arrived and you had your screen. And, <laughs> and yeah. tell me what happened next. Yeah. So actually the first ever shirt that I printed was just on my kitchen table because I was that like, excited. I just got to slap it on the table and I printed it. I was like, oh, man, this is so cool. Like just getting to see your design go straight into a Absolutely. shirt. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, um, then after that, my actual screen printing like machine thing came. It was a super simple one that I could actually put the frame on, and that's how I, I used it. Um, and then I started realizing how frustrating the screen printing process can be because <laughs> yeah, you print you it, and it. then like, oh, a bit of ink might not go on the shirt, or a bit of ink will smudge, and then straight away you can't sell oh, the t-shirt because it. it's not like good quality. <laughs> so I stuffed up. I stuffed up probably, I don't know, 10 of the 20 shirts that I ordered. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a good learning experience. And then, yeah, after that, I had to start learning how to put them online and how to actually market them properly. Wow, that's awesome, man. I just absolutely <laughs> love it. Because the thing is, is that you uh, not only became the artist and uh, you, good, smart move using the resources of other people, which, again, <laughs> 20, 30 years ago, you could have never done, but now you can yeah. get on YouTube, you can get online, you can find something. Exactly. Um, and then actually becoming the technician that did the printing, that's another game altogether that, <laughs> and a steep learning curve. How much yeah. do you reckon you'd spent by the time you sold your first shirt? How many dollars do you reckon was invested by the time the first shirt got sold? Uh, at the time, what was it? Maybe three, I think it was $3,000 which is all my money at that time. <laughs> like 15, yeah. So a hundred percent invested. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, well, this is a funny thing. Like I didn't think it was going to be that much. And then things just kept adding up. And then I was like, oh, well, I've got like nothing left in my bank account. I've got to make this thing work. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a really good point too. You know, like there's a point when you go, you know what? I've got to make this thing work because I'm all in. Either that yeah. or you just yeah. would have lain down and let it, pass and yeah, just been upset about right. the money and had you know 10 t-shirts <laughs> that had smudges on them <laughs> yeah that's right exactly <laughs> yeah oh, that's classic man so then when you shoved them on instagram um, how many <laughs> followers did you have at the time uh before i launched my first design i might have just hit a thousand i think that was when instagram sort of you can build a following quite quickly so i think maybe in the first yeah. month i might have gained a thousand followers yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so a thousand followers and, and then that sold the, the twenty shirts you had left. So yeah. Um and then yeah, I had to learn how to build a website as well. <laughs> so you did that yourself too? Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, quite That's... funny as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now when you look on your Instagram, so anybody looking, it's R-Y-D-E clothing. Um, yeah. If you look on, on Nathan's Instagram, it's pretty slick. It's, <laughs> it's, it's probably come a long, long way. Um, <laughs> so the, the like if I'm, I'm on your Instagram right now looking and I go, yeah. so it's very adventure and sports-based, which is you, um, yeah. very much that. And it's kind of telling a lifestyle story yep. of getting out and make things happen, you yeah, know, exactly. enjoying, enjoying what's, um, 
going on in the world. Yep. Um, Tell me about your passions for sports because I see all sorts of things in there from, you know, motocross to, you know, everything like wakeboarding, motocross. So obviously you're quite an accomplished sports person as well. Yeah. So growing up, I guess I was lucky to be where I'm living in the, like sort of in the country town that a lot of these sports are available and lucky enough to have a family that sort of encouraged all of these sports as well. Um, So, yeah, I guess it started off. I had an older brother that taught me how to skateboard and then I loved to like run competitively. And then from there, I just started picking up all these other sports. My family loved to go mountain bike riding and then we had a ski boat. So we loved wakeboarding and then we had motorbikes. So obviously I learned how to ride a motorbike. And then I guess that just became like, I was in, I was like, well, I want to just do this for my whole life. I was like, this is so fun, like playing sport, doing all these different things. Like you meet so many cool people. Um, And then, yeah, I guess from there, obviously when I got injured, I couldn't do those things. I had to put that passion somewhere. But just growing up from like the age of five, just having so much of a variety of different sports at my fingertips with so many friends that love doing them as well. It's like it was just became such a lifestyle and just something that I knew always I wanted to have in my life, I guess. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. And And like you said, like you go, there's a point when you go, why wouldn't I just want to do this my whole life? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so then you go, how do I fund doing this? Or your parents probably yeah. thought, yeah, you can think you can do that your whole life, but somebody's got to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, well, I remember when I was eight years old, I was like, well, maybe I'll just become a professional skateboarder. But then I was like, well, I'm probably not good enough for that. <laughs> do you know, it's funny. Yesterday, I was talking to a, a guy who's an architect in um, in America, yeah. and uh, he was telling me he didn't study architecture until he was like in his late twenties. And I'm like, yeah. "Wow, okay, that's you know fairly late." And he goes, "Well, yeah. I was uh, in a band, and I was really good in a band, and and we yeah. got caught in a couple of record deals that didn't really come off." And he yeah. said, "And prior to that, I thought I was going to be a professional skateboarder." And yeah. I'm like, truly like this, I said, are you that good? And he said, well, I was good, but maybe not quite that good. And yeah, um, I said, yeah. what? So you know Tony Hawk. So do you know who Tony Hawk is? <laughs> yeah. 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 So are you so you're much younger? I go, I, I know who Tony Hawk is. If you do, yeah. that's not your problem. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he went, yeah, well, I was no Tony Hawk. Definitely no Tony Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you know that was his thing and he's just following that passion down and then yeah. uh no, that's cool. he, he got to that point where he was like um you know what this uh if i do arc- oh, we got to the point when he was getting old enough that he went i've got to get serious about life and um yeah he found yeah. That, that architecture was going to be his gig and anyway so he did yeah. that and he's done yeah. very successfully at it so it's nice so go back yeah. to the clothing and, and the uh, <laughs> lifestyle Ideally, I suppose yeah. um, the more people that can enjoy your lifestyle, the better life is. Exactly. Yeah, I think so. It's um, you know, it, it gets um, people active. It gets people thinking. Yeah, I just, I guess, the, yeah, I guess, yeah, through the brand, I've always wanted to, yeah, just share the passion and hopefully get other people just as excited as getting outdoors and doing these sports and also the community. I think the community in that sort of space, because everyone's so active and doing all these cool things, it's such a positive group of people that I guess love pushing each other to do more. So it's just such a cool group of people to be around. 
It's sort of competitive, but not competitive to beat you. Competitive to be with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just it's fun and, and all that stuff. So it's great. Yeah. So um, now you've got like, you know, a much bigger following. Obviously, sales work better. You, are you still printing yourself or um, what yeah, do you spend so, your days doing? Um, I spend, it's funny, I spend my days doing so many different things now. Um, obviously, I run a shop as well. So that's like, I'm in in the shop quite a bit of time at the moment managing yep. that part. Um, to go back to the printing side of things, yeah, I've actually just this year I've decided to get a local screen printing place um, that's actually only bloody three minutes up the road from my shop. Um, <laughs> only you'd know it. <laughs> so I kind of wish I, I maybe I, I started doing that a bit earlier, getting them to help me out. But, yeah, I'm still doing a lot of the – well, not a lot. I'm slowing it down in the shop like me screen printing just so I can yep. focus on more yep. things on the actual business itself. Um, but, yeah, I think it's – super cool that I can still get a local place to to print for me and then I guess the days the days are so different now I suppose if I've got like a product launch I'm constantly working on like the we have to come up with a bunch of like videos to market the brand so like organizing videographers and photographers and people to all come together to help me create like the campaign for it and then the website is like always being updated with like obviously if the products are going up as well as the content and then we're we're preparing content for Instagram and Facebook and I'm probably sending out emails to make sure the stock's coming in and all this sort of stuff. And then I'm posting and packing orders and doing a bit of printing here and there. So it's like, it's just always so many different things. Um, how, how, you're doing it all still yourself. It's, it's you and you don't have a team yep. of people or anything yet. So the team that I have, um, so I've got like people that help me out like the marketing side of things, yep. but like it's not like an in-house team, I guess. It's like always being on Zoom calls and like making sure things are all sweet. And then I've got a really good friend of mine that helps out with like the video editing and like the editing of photos and stuff. So things look a lot more professional now. So there's a bit of a team coming together now, which is really cool to see. That's awesome, man. That's great. And and um, I love the fact, I absolutely love the fact that if you can keep it local, um, it means yeah. that your own local community gets gets from it as well. Like, you know, and you become yeah. you become a hub that drags yeah. people to it. Yeah. Exactly. It's a, it's yeah. a big vision. Um, so who who gave you the the I want to say the permission? <laughs> you could do all this. Um, uh, who gave you the the sort of like the the mentoring, or who do you go to when you're stuck, or when you go, what do I do next? Is it all just on uh, YouTube, um, or is it um, who have you got around you that you talk to? Um, at the at the moment, like now, it's a bit different. I have a lot more people to talk to. Back probably, you know, the first two to three years when it wasn't that big and it's still in like the startup phase, and people were like, "Oh, this is cool," but you know, I was in high school, and a lot of people were probably thinking, "Oh, Nathan probably should go to uni. Like, this would be a bit of a hobby thing." And so there wasn't like, I guess, I didn't have too much of a mentor at the time. A lot of it was obviously like YouTube, Instagram. I loved watching. I always watched. I'm sure you know Gary V on youtube yeah, yeah. i'm not sure yeah um those sort of guys i guess and like just to you know keep me motivated but um and then i had a couple people slowly um locally that took notice of what i was doing through instagram and then they were really cool and i was able to go through like a few local business owners and just have a chat with them and 
you know, just them sort of reassuring me being like, you know, you're still young, even if, you know, things aren't looking as big as you want them to be now. Like I was 18 or 17 at the time. They're like, just keep growing, like just keep, you know, having a go at it, um, which is always good, especially at that age. But now I have so many different friends and different mentors that I've, I guess, met from along the way that probably I speak a lot more in depth with like where I want the business to go and the direction that I'm heading in and things like that. Yeah. That's very cool, man. That's very, very cool. Um, And, you know, like the thing there also is, is, uh, you know, those other people that help you in your journey and, you know, you get to see their advice and stuff, but at the end of the day, you're still the one who has to put it into practice. (laughs) Nobody else is going to do it. They're not going to do it for you. But isn't it amazing right. that when you um, when you actually start taking some steps, that people appear, uh, mm. and, and and those people appear to help you on your journey. They um, there's the people who tell you that you'll never do it and all the yeah. rest. But besides for them, they're always there. That it's not them that you worry about. Yeah. It's the ones who go. You know what? Hey, this this might help you here or this here. Oh, I saw this. This would be good yeah. for you. You know, the people have got your back. Yeah. And they've been mm, down the yeah. same path as you, and uh, that's right. You know, they've done something. I think that's mm. brilliant. Um, what what's going to happen with Ride next? Where where does it? What happens next? Where does it head to? Yeah, um, it's funny. I've been getting this question a lot lately because obviously people have seen the brand from when I was in year 10, 11 at high school to now. I've got a shop. I've got quite a big following on Instagram and selling more shirts than I ever have before. And people go, oh, what's next, Nathan? Like, surely you've got some big plans. And it's got to a point where I'm really now, like I'm refocusing where I truly want to take it because it's like back then when I was like 16, I almost never imagined that I'd be where I am now. Like I always sort of wished it would happen, but there was always part of me that's like, oh, like, you know, you're really going to have your own shop and be selling to people like all around Australia and do this and do that, which I always wished would happen and work that hard. But yeah, it's got to a point where it's like, well, I'm here now. Um, now let's rethink and refocus on where I want to go next because um, there's still yeah. so many things yeah. to work on. But I think just right now it's such an exciting time that, yeah, I'm just looking at what direction I really want to take it. Um, but, yeah, it's obviously just to keep growing and keep spreading the message and inspiring people. But um, I haven't got right now a, a big grand plan at the moment. A big grand plan. Yeah, just keep yeah. keep keep doing what you're doing. I mean, there's the grand plan right now. Yeah, um, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because like with clothing, um, that it, that it, it, people wear the stuff, it gets worn out, and then they buy it again. And yeah. the thing that I probably see most um, because of Instagram and you know Facebook and you know Snapchat, whatever, all these different platforms. Yeah you very much um, end up with these tribes of people that are spread. It's not like you're just trying to sell locally to one little spot or something anymore. Yeah. Because of that, there's this, there's this tribe that kind of drives you. Do you get a lot of um, interaction from the people that you, uh, that buy your clothing? Do you get a lot of interaction from them with ideas that they ask for and stuff that they, you know, ask, can this be done or could you, yeah. you know, like, do they drive you? Do you get people say, can I have more motorcycle looking stuff? Can I have more surf looking yeah. stuff? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Especially for the people that are really into it and, you know, buy everything that I sort of release. I like just can't thank those people enough, but 
um, yeah, the ones that get really into it and they'll message me and be like, oh, I can't wait for the next release. Like, oh, could you do this? Maybe in summer you could release like this like product or this product. And it just, it gets me even more excited and hyped to be doing what I'm doing with, to see like, I guess people get just as excited about the business as I am almost like yeah. to you know, yeah. go out of the way and message me to say they're excited and like oh, they wish they could see this product come out. Definitely, like, there's a group of people that, um, yeah, just back it all the way and are just super excited with everything that I released. That's so cool. That's so cool. Because yeah. they are, when, when, as it grows, you make a, a tribe and, yeah. or tribes, you've got multiple tribes, I imagine, because you'd have some people yeah. that engage more in one sport than another or see yeah. themselves as being a, a part of the brand. Um, and then they sort of almost, own your brand at some point they they hmm. they end up being this uh driving force that yeah um, that they're wearing it and they're all not necessarily an influencer but they're influencing the people around them yeah and that's all right. of a sudden it's like because they've got such a love for it and when you yeah. think that you can somebody you've never met before hmm. can fall in love with what you do and yeah, just want to pump your pump for you so that, that you know that you <laughs> win that's yeah. awesome that's so yeah. cool. It's so I love cool, yeah. that. Uh, it's amazing. Um, will you open more retail? Um, yeah. Um, it's I don't know. Hey, like obviously, before I even opened this shop, I was always in the mentality that, like, oh, I don't think I'll ever open a shop because everything's sort of online now. Um, and then. I guess it just got to a point and someone just said to me, oh, like you should just try opening a shop like locally because so many people here like love the brand and there's a lot of empty shops like where I'm from. And then I just had to go one summer and which was last year and it was pretty cheap brand. I just thought I'd give it a go for six months, like sign a six-month lease. And then I just couldn't believe, I guess, the amount of people that, came through it was in such a weird spot too like down this little alleyway in my hometown but so many people would come past and now i've actually just moved to um the riverfront like in my hometown so it's a lot more of a popular area and yeah the same again like i it sort of blows my mind how many people still come by so it's something that's definitely been on my mind because it's i never thought i would but it's definitely a possibility i think it's a it's an interesting thing eh? because when you give people especially in um you know like a local area like yours not that all the people there that probably come in know who you are even they just some of them discover you through it but when you give people something physical so they can buy the clothing anyway but when they give them something physical where they can meet you or you know where they can be a part of your journey people people come people come it's um yeah it's fantastic um really cool to see where else uh where else do you get to speak about the brand like where do you other than on your own platforms um where else have you spoken about yeah. the brand been interviewed been written up those kind of things yeah yeah um this is something that i still can't believe the amount of times that i've actually been interviewed i think a lot of because I'm in such a small town, um, I've had a lot of like local interviews, so like radio and, and newspaper and that sort of thing. And then even in the city, 
they've interviewed me for like their like big newspaper down there and then just people on their blogs um and it's always like every interview that people want to like interview me it's it's so unreal um to think that that happens but yeah i've had quite a lot locally and then um I've been even lucky lucky enough to speak at some high schools and primary schools about like my journey to try and inspire other young kids to have a go as well. So I've been really lucky to be able to share my story um, a lot further than just my own platform. That's so cool, man. And, and you know, inspiring others. Like, as I was saying to you before we started recording, I, I was talking to yeah. my daughter who's a bit of an entrepreneur and she sort of won a, yeah. an entrepreneurial award and she's very into oh. charity and um social yeah. type entrepreneurship and very cool she i said to her yeah she's she's uh year 12 so year 12 yeah. just about to graduated last night in fact um awesome. and cool. i was saying to her so I'm, I'm thinking that you know i'd love to talk to a bunch of young entrepreneurs and she's like oh okay and i'm like so you know who do you know what 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 are things and she goes well here's a list <laughs> and uh, your name was on that list and i'm like I'm sitting on her bed with yeah. her and I'm looking through Instagram. She's going, check this, check, check this one out, check this one out. And anyway, I got to yours <laughs> and I went, huh, that kid's living my dream. Um, <laughs> you know, that, like I, I grew up uh, in a little town um, in Wellington, yeah. near Wellington in New Zealand. And yeah. um, I, I used to race BMX and there were, there was yeah. no really formal racing of BMX. We, we were one of the first BMX clubs that ever happened. And I used yeah, to wow. steal, steal horses and go riding them and <laughs> um, just just lived an outdoor life. And, I mean, New Zealand's not as suited. Yeah. Oh, mind you, you're down south here. So, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit wet and stuff. But just lived this really outdoor life. And I was always river rafting. And yeah, I was yeah. a runner as well. So I ran a lot. Yeah. And um, a lot of cross country yeah, and cool. stuff. and. But you'd find me, you yeah, know, I'd be no, up at too. like six o'clock in the morning and on my push bike and just gone. And the next time you'd see me was like six o'clock at night. I'd just be gone for the <laughs> yeah, day right. if I could do it. And uh, school yeah. was never my strong suit either. Like I, um, yeah. no lack of uh, ability, but just uh, I'm dyslexic. And so because I was dyslexic, right. I really struggled with, you know, the sort of standard learning of how things mm. was, but I'd get like, you know, straight yeah. A's in math, uh, not math, God, I, I wish, straight A's in yeah. art. I'd, I'd get like just shocking wow. marks yeah. in math. And yet math isn't that hard for me. Yeah. Just I couldn't sit yeah. and do the equations. And yeah, so it was right. one of those really, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like I have, I have all the reports that say, you know, Adrian just causes trouble and, um, and he'll never do anything with his life and yeah. you know, all those kind of things that I did. Yeah, a, yeah. I did a, a talk. Um, this would be a cool thing if you can ever find one to do. There's a, a yeah. festival that's known as Ignite and you do, okay. you do um, 20 slides in five minutes and the slide changes every 15 seconds. And I think I've got my math right there. But um, yeah. and and so you're there, and you've just got to talk to your slides. And so I did one right. recently. When I say recently, last year before the pandemic, and it yeah. was called the gift of dyslexia. And yeah. um, I I went through being dyslexic, and there's a point there where I put up a whole bunch of my school reports was a slide. Oh yeah. I circled <laughs> the bits that just said, you know, like 
he'll just fail. He'll just do yeah. this. He'll just do this. And the whole crowd was like, oh. And I went, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It turned out all right. Don't panic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Yeah. They got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and, and that thing of inspiring others, you know, like mm. um, everything I do, I'm self-taught and I go and speak at high schools on their career days. And, um, yep. you know, I, I do all this kind of stuff and I'm like, you sure you want me? Cause uh, I didn't do too well in the education side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm very similar as well. Yeah. 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 Like no lack of drive or ability. Just, um, I just yeah. didn't get there with it, you know? Yeah. Um, no. But that doesn't mean that that's enough to stop you. It's not. That's right. Especially you. now with so many other like things outside of that sort of, I guess, mainstream education as well. Yeah. Like, absolutely. So um, with with uh, ride and the future of ride, um, you've got. Do you, do you do a collection every what? How often? How often do you put something out? Yeah, um, I was actually speaking to this, speaking to someone about this recently because I've up until now um, I've never had too much of a plan with it because it's always been like um, I guess up until now, like I I just sell enough so now I could have enough money there to then release a new thing and now it's just getting to a point where I'm starting to plan out when I want to do my releases but obviously my biggest ones that I, I put a lot of thought into are my summer and my winter because I think yep. they're the biggest ones that I want to plan out but when it was you know probably 2016, 17, 18 um, I was just releasing designs when I could I was like well I've sold enough now I've got a bit of cash here I can probably put into like another 50 shirts with another design so I'll do that so a lot of it was me just thinking up a new design and being like, oh, I want to sell enough so I can release this in three months or whatever. And when the time came, then I'd yeah, work cool. on it. But now um, I'm starting to put together a bit of a timeline of when I want to release things. Um, and, yeah, like I said, summer and winter is what that I put a lot sense. of my focus into because they're the biggest ones. But, yeah, that's how it's got – that's how I've gotten to where I am now is, yeah, just like making those small releases when I can. Do you know, it's an interesting thing back in the clothing trade days when I was um, doing it, there was a, a company in the US called The Limited and uh, it was run by a guy yeah. who was a Vietnam vet, I think, and uh, it, wow. it was like yeah. fast fashion, you know, like, and I think he was in a wheelchair, yeah. to tell you the truth. Anyway, they were, yeah. you'd go to any mall in America, basically, and you'd see these stores, The Limited. So that we're not talking about a small company, we're talking about a massive company. That yeah, 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 yeah. And one of the things that he did was he had a division and, and the only reason I know this stuff is, is because um, we would look for how we should be doing our business better. And, and yeah. I was only an employee in the business, but I was always running well towards the last, you know, sort of 10, 15 years, I was always running the design of whatever the company was. And we'd always be yeah. looking for how we could do it yeah. better. And he had a, a little division and I think it was in LA where he had um, a bunch of machinists and he would just make these tiny little collections because everybody really just did summer, winter as the big ones, and then they'd do uh, a, a piece in season or a piece uh, pre-season or after-season kind of spread yeah. of their range. For sure. And he had yeah. this, uh, this little unit that would be just an ideas unit, and then yeah. they would take their top, I don't know, 
different stores, say just in the Los Angeles area, they might take three top stores and they would just put yep. this clothing into those stores. Yep. And if it, if people bit on it, so they'd be putting it in real time, they'd be making it yep. this week and it would be in the shop the next week. Yeah, and, wow. um, if people bit on it, then they would see, they might, they might do a little capsule collection of it. But yep. then they would look for what they learnt and then they would put that into the next season. So they'd be swapping uh, seasons, but they'd yeah. be using the ideas. Yeah. And um, it was, yeah, it was a very cool way of doing it. And then yeah. clothing trade was always built around these long lead times out of China or out of um, even locally. So we had to buy fabric. So, so like in Australia, I don't think there's still to this day, there's any woven fabrics made in Australia, only knit fabrics are made in Australia. And then most of yep. the, most stuff is probably bought in anyway from overseas now because the labor rates are that much cheaper. Yeah. Um, and you can, you know, people say to me, why wouldn't it be in my day, it was New Zealand made, but why wouldn't it be New Zealand made or Australian made? And I go, well, you can actually get something, you can get better quality of mm cotton better quality of um of uh manufacture and better quality mm. more more stitching into your garment more sewing or whatever um yep. if you go offshore and it's not that you don't want to make it locally it's just that there isn't enough at a high enough yep. quality that exactly it's right. super yep. easy to do and so the client or the customer actually wins when you outsource it from somewhere where you, yep. you can buy it cheaper. Instead of them paying $80, they can pay $50. Mm. Or, That's right. You know, yep. Because the other would get soaked up. And it it's a really interesting dilemma. I love the yep. fact that you keep your printing locally and you keep your, um, you know, all, all the artwork and stuff like that. That's really cool. Like. Yeah, it, but it, it it has to be a mix to be sustainable because not everybody wants a five hundred dollar sweatshirt, oh, you know. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've been faced with, especially this year with obviously the pandemic and people wanting things all local and you know yeah. people wanting things all Australian made. But yeah, when you do your research, like you just said, you're gonna get better quality. And like we simply in Australia, like just can't do it. Like unless we, you want to spend all that money too. Yeah, we used yeah. to be able to, but our labor rates are higher. And also um, we've not de-skilled, but we've um, got less of that manufacturing base because it, it moved yeah. offshore. And so yeah. th there's there's just less place to buy it. There's less. Yeah. Um, if, if you try to do something that's all local, you pretty much have to set up manufacturing to try yeah. Be ready for it and then the overhead of that could easily kill you as well like yeah that's right yeah <laughs> i love the story man i absolutely love it i love the brand i think it looks fantastic and Thank it's you, uh it's aspirational it's um <laughs> i go i go if you've got a target customer who is your target customer who do you i can look on your instagram and get a fair idea but who do you yeah. say your target customer is Target customer. Um, hell, I need. I know I need to do a lot more work on on this, but um, yeah, I guess it's it's That's the cool. Uh, yeah, it's. I guess it's just yeah, it's just I, the people that just love getting outdoors and love you know doing all that the sport sort of in that getting in that sports scene and just being stoked around the people that they're are with. But and then even the age group, it's such a wide age group that buys from me as well. Like it's you know all the way from really young kids through to like 
50 year olds as well like yeah that just love it and i guess i remember i remember years ago those, um, people I think if, if people are doing something, then that's uh, like if they're living and they're active and all the rest, they fit a new target customer um, and they're passionate <laughs> about what they're doing. If they're living, living, yep. having fun. Um, it'd be, yep. it'd be um, interesting. How much of your clothing gets sold offshore? How, what percentage gets sold overseas? um a very small amount at the moment because we don't do a lot of advertising um so overseas i've sold things to what have I done? i've done like usa canada and new zealand they're the three that i've posted things over to but a very very small amount maybe like five okay. each sort of but we're just keeping everything like advertising within australia because the um at the moment i'm, I'm struggling with like the, the amount that i have to pay for postage to, to send stuff overseas oh, right. um yeah, which is a bit a bit annoying, especially at the moment as well with like things getting really like long delays and stuff. But um, just at the moment, it's yeah every state in Australia. Um, but we're looking to start advertising overseas. I think maybe next year, which yep. would be very exciting. We can start working on how we're going to do that. But yeah, at the moment, Australia wide. Yeah. You've got to be careful about the volume you suddenly hit as well. Like yeah, <laughs> go to America or something, and one state's like you know, bigger than one country here. Yeah. And if it takes off, then you've, yeah, you've got, you've got problems to solve. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool, man. Hey, well, Nathan, thank you so much, man, for making time. We'll post, uh, when, I, when this is going to go up, I'll let you know, obviously, but also we'll post yeah. all your socials and your website and all those things. And we'll flick a whole lot of stuff on uh, email to you. And yep. um, we'll get on there and uh, order some clothing off you as well. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, hey, for having me on. It's been awesome having a chat. Hey, man, thank you. Really, really appreciate it. And just keep going. It's uh, it's awesome. I love what you're doing. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking say three questions and this is called takeaway selling so this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you it's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them you put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you it's that type of thing so this is called takeaway selling so the first question you ask you say well why don't you just leave the situation as it is why why make the change that's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, 
they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.